Welcome back to the Get More Podcast, where we're going to get you more money, more marketing, more business strategy, more community, and just more of the good stuff that you need in your life every day. All right, y'all, welcome on back. So I am super excited. I have another guest on for Manifestation May. We connected through one of my manifestation groups on Facebook. Again, get in a Facebook group that is with like-minded people, learn new things because you're going to find people from every single place you could ever imagine and dream of. So I've got Nora Bizarra here. Let's hope I said that right. My optimism is so strong, but I don't think I did because she's laughing and it's probably (laughs) wrong, but she'll correct it and it'll be great. So she is going to just kind of tell us your story, who you are, how you got here. Tell me so many fun things. Yeah. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. My name is Nora Bezerra. So close. Uh, It was beautiful, your pronunciation, though. Maybe in an alternate life, that'll be the pronunciation. Um, And yes, I am an intuitive life coach. And goodness, my life story that has brought me here, it's been a windy one. I was raised on the East Coast, a Red Sox fan all the way. Um, And growing up, yeah, I was a big old nerd. I got into all the science. I want originally when I was very young, I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to do this thing and that and was hard in the academics. And as we... As we grew up a little bit more, um, I think I was in middle school at this time, and I don't even remember exactly what was going on in my life or what precipitated this decision, but I remember a Spanish teacher asking me, what did I want to do with my life? Like she was just going around the class, and I said I wanted to be a life coach, and like everybody's heads turned because in middle school, who knows what that even is? And her, she was just like, what did you just say in this 14-year-old little body say that she wanted to be a life coach? Okay, sure. Um, you More time passes. I went to Brandeis University, which I loved, and got dual degrees in neuroscience and psychology. Here we go. Just reminding you that I'm a big old nerd. Um, and was going down the life of... of neuroscience research. And it was just crazy. I love the mind. I love the brain. A human being is just a miracle of nature. Like we get to exist in this format and this brief little blip of time as human beings with consciousness. What does that mean? Um, and the more that I got to explore and look at those details, the more questions I really had. And the more I realized that I wasn't meant to sit in a back room and do research and put my name on a little piece of paper that maybe a handful of people will read. Um, And so I knew something else was just out there for me. I felt so unsettled. I felt like I wasn't being challenged in the appropriate ways. And I just knew it was time to move on. Didn't know what that meant yet. So just continued going into one job after another that I learned plenty from, learned about myself, learned about the world but it wasn't for me. And we bounced around a little bit, went from Boston to San Francisco. And that was, yeah, that was a whole other world. Um, And I was working for another badass woman who was making her second business for herself and doing great and, you know, pivoting and learning and making mistakes. And then the pandemic hit and you know, I realized it was really the time to bet on myself and follow the passion that had been burning in me, I guess, since I was 14 years old um, and became a certified coach through the click um, and just haven't turned back. I've learned so much about more about myself, more about how I can serve other women and following their own intuition and just learning to trust themselves and bet on themselves again. I can't even fathom what my 14-year-old self wanted to be. <laughs> I don't even, I didn't even know what a life coach was until I was 28. So 
so far ahead of the game because <laughs> yeah I think at 14 that just sounds like a made-up thing what who do you coach in life so that's yeah what was I even doing at 14 <laughs> oh gosh I yeah bad choices probably probably bad probably bad decisions probably very academic probably bad choices probably <laughs> lots of that <laughs> so that's super exciting and I've kind of noticed like a trend like in different guests when people kind of even have this moment it's when teachers like good teachers mm. even just ask these really casual questions of what do you want to be that's you know maybe more than just like the typical like lawyer doctor thing like that mm. so it's really exciting that that early on you were already thinking outside the box no idea what outside the box was going to look like or be like or how the heck to get out of the current box but knowing <laughs> that there is something on that other side which is super exciting so uh, you and your fancy, fancy uh, neuroscience degrees, two degrees, <laughs> how has your educational background and knowing what you do just about the, the brain and the idea of the fact that we are here having a conscious experience, which is mm. so insane. It's, it's literally crazy to the yeah. probability statistical existence of humans as a species and us as people is mind-boggling and I feel like we just ignore that all of the time as super casual like yeah no I'm a person cool whatever no you're literally like a person you could have been a tree you could yeah. be like a you could be an actual inanimate object like the probability of being a human in the world is insane so how does that like background and understanding help you work with your clients yeah, great question. So I like to say nature is the first miracle. You know, people ask for it to see miracles at like any day, but they ask to see big, huge things. It's like, no, look, look down at your feet in the grass and the little worms and the bugs and the insects. That's the miracle. We're here right now. Um, so I loved all that you just said about that. But um, I think the biggest thing that impacts that, that my I almost call it my past life <laughs> as a researcher and neuroscientist um, is really that we are so adaptable and we are, we are perfect to adapting to our environment and there's pros and cons of that. But what I like, what, what I think so much of coaching literally boils down to and we can talk about um, neuro-linguistic programming, we can talk about mantras, we can talk about manifestation. It is just the human plasticity. And in our actual neurons, they want to grow and they want to change. They want to make new connections. They want to strengthen the connections that you've already made. And it is up to you as the active agent with consciousness now to decide, okay, how am I going to utilize that innate ability of mine, my innate neuroplasticity to, to improve my self-worth, to know that I can trust myself, to, you know, to change the game, flip the script, change my perspective on my life. Um, and really you, you, People who come for coaching, my favorite clients are the ones who are really ready to take that responsibility for their own lives. Because as soon as you realize that you are ultimately in control, you, you steer the ship. You can go off and let yourself, let yourself have the life you're leading and maybe not be as happy. Or you can face some discomfort now and open up entire new realms of your life. Um, and it's all down to how you want to start reprogramming your mind. Yes. I, I really only like really kind of dug into that brain plasticity, the ability to literally strengthen different habits just through repetition. I always knew like, oh, you just do something a bunch of times. It becomes a habit, whatever, like things that are super casual, just, you know, being alive, like brushing your teeth. You don't really have to like think about that. I don't have to think 
about I'm not thinking about every single like like when I'm texting I'm not thinking about every single letter my fingers are just like okay we can we remember this we do this from mm-hmm. repetition and I never really used to think like about it as all my brain's just like learning and unlearning things that I don't need mm-hmm. until I got into this idea of well I learned all of this stuff when I was younger but why don't I know it now. Like I spent years studying Japanese. I could not speak it to save my life now because I don't need it. I could read it and I could probably follow along with an undubbed anime just enough. But if somebody tried to come up to me and have a conversation, I'd be like, well, have a good day. (laughs) Goodbye. Sorry. I can't help you. But I spent so many years learning it And then I graduated college and I haven't had to use it since. So my brain figured out, oh, I don't need that. It's taking up space. Do all, learn all these other tasks. And I just thought that I was forgetful and kind of dumb as opposed to my brain performing at optimal-ness to focus on the things that I actually need, not a bunch of random stuff that has no actual bearing on my day-to-day life now. So when, so when you were deciding that you wanted to get into coaching, was there like a defining moment as you were realizing, I don't want to just be a research paper person. I want to, I want to help people. Did you have that wake up in the middle of the night and got to do it moment? So a lot of people have those, like just snap you know, as you said, wake up, wakes me up in the middle of the night, like, oh, this is my purpose. Now I know. And all the power to, to those type of moments, but mine was definitely a slow awakening. And I bless my body every day for that, because it definitely knew that I wasn't ready to just take, take that kind of leap, like, oh, just out of college. I'm going to try something scary and new and who knows. Um, It definitely knew I wasn't ready to do that. So um, I started off. Okay. Well, I, I know I like to help people. I like to support people. I'm that go-to support person for everybody. It seems like, so that's what I'm good at. Okay. So going from researcher to lab manager to personal assistants to, you know, what's next and what's next. Um, And every time I I learned a little bit more, it's like, okay, I like to help people, but not in that, that way. And then I would get some type of feedback about me and my professional job. Like, oh, you're just so calm. You know, you have such a calming presence, this, that, and the other. And then I would slowly making the journey into finding my own coach because I was like oh they'll help me figure out what that next thing is and then as soon as I just opened that gate back into the spiritual world in the coaching world it was like oh I could do this yeah I could do that okay that's cool and then a couple months later like no yeah I should do that I'm not happy where I am I don't feel like I'm being as useful to the world where I am, but it was a slow, slow awakening to, from, I could do that to, oh, that's what I'm going to do. That's what you're trying to tell me. It was almost like I had this blaring music on all around my life. And as soon as I was able to turn it down, you can hear the little record player playing in the back. You're like, you're meant to be a life coach. You're meant to be a life coach. And as soon as you actually shut off that music and and hear it, but actually listen to it, it was just, it was, yeah, a whole, whole awakening. Life just started to unravel for me there. See, sometimes it's better to have that slow, move towards something to know that that's really where you're supposed to be going I used to feel like if I couldn't make a snap decision in the moment Mm. that I was making the wrong decision if I really had to think about it I was doing something wrong I should be able to make that snap decision and I hate that I hate it so much. I'm bad at snap decisions. I do not want to do it. I want three to 12 business days to think about everything. So that 
kind of parallels like with me getting into coaching. I had an idea, I was doing some things. I don't know. COVID happened. I was like, well, we're going to do the thing. But all along the way was guiding me to who I was supposed to be helping, how I was supposed to be helping. And those ideas should and will evolve over time, which is important and good for all growth involved, but also trusting yourself along the way and listening to those intuitive hits as unfamiliar as they might be in the beginning. Mm. Uh, So how do you deal with like self-doubt? How did you work yourself through that? Because you've got all of this understanding of how your brain works and creating like new neuro patterns that are for good things. Did you have a lot of self-doubt that you had to rewire in different ways or because you had that knowledge, you ran into it maybe a little bit less or how did you work through that? Oh my goodness. I would like to say that like, yeah, because I have my psychology background and all of this and that I have no personal problems. Yeah, sure. Um, No, (laughs) Um, it is. And honestly, a lot of people think that way about coaches and healers, if you like to call them healers or therapists. Um, But we all choose to heal others because we know what it's like to start healing ourselves. And we all are too close to our own problems to really be able to be that efficient observer, at least right away with a lot of effort, you you can become that for yourself. Um, But I have certainly experienced my volume of self-doubt, especially being, I'll raise my hand, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Uh, (laughs) Yes. it's very difficult to break that path of what you know people expect from you, what you thought you expected from yourself, what you thought you your life would look like. It is very difficult to hear those intuitive pings and choose to honor them in face of all the what ifs, all of the anxious thoughts, all of the fears. And this, so I might tangent into what you were speaking of before. And though those, a lot of people think that intuition is those quick, quick decisions, quick flash decisions. And sometimes they are, sometimes you have that really intuitive knowing just in your gut, but a lot of the time, those quick snap judgments where you feel a sense of rush, a sense of, you know, necessity, I need to do this. I should do this. Those, that's actually fear and ego talking to you. Um, so of course I've had, of course I've had those self-doubt moments and especially on this new journey of entrepreneurship, what I have realized is that that's when I need to show myself the most compassion. And that's when I need to talk to myself like a human being, like my friend that I might be counseling or someone that I would come across on the street and show them that forgiveness and that compassion and honor the validity of that feeling. If you just try to skip over it or fast forward or numb it out, it's gonna come back to you and it's gonna come back to you in a bigger way But if you actually take the time to sit with that uncomfortable feeling, and I'll never, I'll never say that that's a negative, those negative emotions. That is again, a a societal norm that we talk about like the comfortable emotions and the uncomfortable emotions. Um, But if you allow yourself to acknowledge what you're actually feeling and try to walk it back for yourself and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? What has precipitated this emotion? What inside me is, is showing this resistance to, to my own self-worth and my own self-love? You will get bigger realizations than you ever would have just trying to keep your head down and move forward. I love that. 
like show yourself compassion because we are always our own worst critic and we at least for me uh, I never give myself the grace that I would give anyone else going through a hard time anytime I struggle with anything even though I would support other people through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't. Yeah, no, I can't do that at all. Like, I I don't deserve grace. I'm doing it wrong. It's just a me thing. It's mm-hmm. everything is my fault. I'm bad at this. Even though I would never say that to someone else. So I love the showing yourself compassion because ultimately we are the only one actually stuck in our head all exactly. day, every day. And- when you say all of those things to yourself all of the time, that's all you will look for and find. And you become your own self-fulfilling prophecy in any capacity, which I used to think was a bunch of horseshit and stupid. <laughs> was like, you can't think your way to a better life. I, because I was a highly negative person living a very negative life. And I just thought only other people have happy and positive lives and only other people mm. have it together, not me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the first things I actually, usually when I'm talking to somebody new, um, if they tell me that they have all, all these self-doubts and all of these what ifs and anxious thoughts, and this was a practice I take myself through still, um, is that, you know, okay, you, you've given the space for all of those what ifs and the doubts and the, what could go wrong at the minimum, you need to also give that same amount of space to what could go right. What is beyond my wildest dreams that could actually happen right now. And just give it a chance that, okay, if that bad thing could happen, if the world could collapse with my spelling error right now, with my typo, Okay, then what could go right? Oh, some, someone, someone new points out my typo to me and we become best friends. Maybe that's what happens instead. So exactly to your point, I mean, we, our thoughts are a manifestation of our lives and vice versa. So what you, what you give energy to is where your attention will flow. Do you think that's one of the biggest things that are stopping people from stepping into that better life because they either think themselves through the opinions or the viewpoints of others that so many things aren't possible that they completely ignore the people who are actually doing the things because those people are somehow some way better than they will be oh for sure the the biggest thing that holds people back is, is ultimately themselves. It is their own limitations that they're putting on their lives. And again, like that might not be something that they, these limiting beliefs that a lot of people carry with them are a lot of the times, not things that they're actually conscious of. It is, it, it is, it is just a part of our foundational life. So of course, how, any, how could anybody else's life be different? This is all I know. Of course, someone else lives, lives this way too. But when, when you really start talking and sharing and unraveling and just continually asking why, 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 <laughs> like, like a four-year-old in your ear, um, <laughs> then you, you really put a reflection up to yourself and you're like, okay, well, yeah, why am I really af- actually afraid of that success? Why, why am I limiting myself in this way? And once you walk it all the way back to some of these foundational memories or beliefs that were set in us when we were children, you can choose to either continue to carry them with you or you can choose to put them down now. Like, this is not actually serving me. This is not actually a truth that I'm, I'm willing to create for myself anymore. So I put it down and I'm going to replace it with a truth that feels more aligned with the life I actually want to create for myself. And 
it can be very hard. These limiting beliefs can be very pervasive and they can squirm their way into things that you would never think are related. You know, a lot of uh, family beliefs and relationship beliefs morph into money beliefs and career beliefs. Um, so yeah, it's just, you'd be surprised at how intertwined our self-limitations really are and how ultimately once we're made aware of them it is our choice to to keep them alive or not yes yes and yes <laughs> until definitely until I started doing any kind of this limiting belief work around money I had no comprehension of just how deeply my parents handling of money outwardly in front of me in such a negative way mm. influenced my whole life because as a kid my main goal as an adult was to be nothing like my parents I worked very hard to be nothing like my parents but I was still shit with money just like my parents were and I just thought it was because I was doing something wrong I was bad at managing which was totally true a, or I just didn't have enough money because I just didn't have a good enough paying job. I had all of these things that I thought were entirely on me, but it was really, how did my parents talk about money? There's not enough money. We can't have that. We can't do that. And when I started to really put that together, it really clicked as, okay, so that's how they handled money. And I don't want to do that. So what are the things that I actually want to do? How do I unpack what they never even necessarily intentionally tried to say to me or make me feel about money? It was just the situation we existed in that was my life for the first 18 years, <laughs> what that was. And then trying to spend the next decade breaking out of it I have not even been alive like longer than I had money problems right? so we're really kind of working against a lot of programming because a lot <laughs> of us finding this yeah. are now in our 20s and our 30s you're going into our 40s and realizing that we're not happy and we have no idea why because we were just told to do x y and z and do all these things and we'll be successful. We'll have the American dream house job. Air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Love all, yeah. All, of, all of these things. And so many people are finding themselves unfulfilled because they don't want that. And it works for previous generations because that is what a lot of them wanted to do. That was the times. And where we are now is not like that. You, you get to feel your feelings and heal from all of the childhood trauma of your parents growing up, also not living a life that they wanted because their yeah. parents raised them. And as much as they're all doing the best that they could, we don't have to live in that if we don't want to. We don't mm -hmm. have to live in that anymore. We can change. Oh, yeah. Um, and I even, I loved... Your, your almost your reverence around the topic of um, topic of, of parents right now because you simultaneously acknowledged their faults and what maybe they couldn't provide for for us as children while simultaneously realizing they were also a child at some point and this is they're not only our parents they're someone's daughter they're someone's sister they're someone's employee this, that, and the other. So you can acknowledge them for their complete humanness and, and witness that within yourself, but also be able to acknowledge and feel and validate whatever you feel about how the realities of your childhood and what that means for you now. Um, and I think that's, a, that's a, such a beautiful way to look at to, to frame looking in, into your past childhood. Years of therapy, years, <laughs> years of couch crying and different therapists and really actually doing any of the work instead yeah. of deciding 
well, I can just push past it and I will be fine. The survival instinct, because surviving is not the same thing as thriving. Just because you are getting up and you're going to work and you're doing the things to function as a person does not necessarily equal the same as living a fulfilled life. And sometimes there's lots, there are times in life where you just have to survive. You just have to get through it in that moment to get to a place where you can process through. But I was just surviving for so long and I hit many a rock bottom drinking substance abuse on my therapist couch still kind of blacked out from the night before things to really acknowledge and process through any of it and to realize that I was in control of that no one was making me go get drunk to drown out my feelings I was in control of that no one like giving myself the power over my own life and my thoughts was really one of those big therapy wins because mm-hmm. they're like you're the one doing these things and they said it in like a much nicer more professional way of <laughs> you need to take responsibility for the shit that you're doing yeah which is true we are theoretically all adults here and we are to some extent responsible for how we we are not responsible for the th- things happening to us as much as we are responsible for how we handle those things exactly exactly which is hard to learn and annoying and yeah yeah a lot of people think these spiritual realizations are all love and light and rainbows but mostly it's like annoying and like frustrating like I could have I could have done this 10 years ago and it would have been so much weight off my shoulders but yeah, usually it's it's work and uncomfortableness. So I applaud you for doing all that work. And it's important to acknowledge that not everything will be comfortable. Mm. Growth is not comfortable. And it can be as simple as thinking about when you were actually growing up and you were getting taller. And yeah. getting, not that I ever got that tall. So I didn't really have a whole lot of this problem. But like people who have like growth spurts, it's uncomfortable, but you're growing and you know that that's what's supposed to happen. Like that uncomfortableness we accept in our physical bodies growing. We accept that. We accept learning and going to school and getting that education. But then when it comes to growing ourselves and becoming more well-rounded and aware humans, that shit is hard. Mm-hmm. That shit is hard. <laughs> we should be taught it from an early age to deal Amen. with it. Like if anybody had mentioned anything like this when I was 14, if there had been life coaching at 14, man, what a world I'd be living in. Like, oh, let's talk about our emotions and how we handle them. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. That would that would be ideal. I'd say 14 is even too too late. We need to start, you know, speaking about emotional intelligence when as soon as, as soon as children can speak. I mean, we have emotions when we're born we just just cry about it and then we can learn to speak and use our body and regulate our own body and feel that sense of autonomy um over our at least a portion of our existence from a young age i think i think the world would be in a lot better be in a better position than we are today yeah how we treat emotions i saw a great instagram reel where this guy was talking about how we don't ever say, oh, our skin is too sensitive. If we touch something that's like Mm. hot, why do we say that we're too sensitive when someone else says something that is offensive or hurtful to us? Why are, why is the first thought? Well, don't be so sensitive. You're too easily offended. That person was rude. They, uh, they, did something to me that disrupted me the same way as hot stove will burn your skin. Why do we treat these things so differently? And especially with kids where we're just like, don't be so sensitive. Don't cry. Like, it's not that bad. We just belittle Mm -hmm. these things as opposed to providing any kind of open communication. And that really stems from just how 
our parents were raised Mm -hmm. and because some of my friends have never really struggled with anxiety or depression or feeling like this because they had rockstar parents who were like, no, you're allowed to feel your feelings. Yes. Have some hugs. Here's some love. We're doing the good things. And so it's really important that if you have kids and you're listening to this, that you honor more so their emotions and support those feelings because they're having because when you're a kid you're not overthinking everything you're not trying to be a drama queen you're not being over dramatic you are just instinctually being like that doesn't feel good that doesn't feel good to me mm-hmm. why is that not more respected it's more respected like as an adult to be like that person was rude and you don't accept that behavior but we're trained to accept a lot a lot of bullshit behavior as children Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, it's a sense of invalidation and we actually, in our minds, we, because we experience our emotions as part of us, even though you, you as a being are separate from your emotions and all your emotions will come and go. I call them energy in motion. It's emotions. Um, but if our feelings are invalidated, we get, we, we almost feel a loss of identity of ourselves. Um, so if that's, again, if that's continually, if that's your continual reality coming from people who you're supposed to love and trust and who you think have the best interest for you. And most times, you know, they do, their intentions are good. Um, but it can be extremely hard later in life to come back into that. I do a lot of um, inner child work actually to come back into that space and just witness what you needed back then. I just needed to be told that that was okay. I needed to be told that everything was normal. You're you're allowed to feel what you're feeling. And honestly, I I think it's because a lot of adults, as in this case, we're saying adults speaking to children, um, adults worry that, you know, if you validate the emotion, it's going to stay there forever or something. We're going to linger in this always, but it's actually the opposite is true. If you, excuse me, if you validate an emotion and you let it, you let yourself embody what that means for you, going to be able to process it and heal from it and move on so much faster than if that emotion is just shoved back down into you and let to compile and bubble up with more layers of emotion later because at some point it's going to bubble over and it's going to be about something so different than with the original cause and you're gonna think that everything is about this one thing this one thing that somebody said to you that was just too much even though it was years years of conditioning and feelings and having this negative belief somehow validated over and over and then just repressed Mm -hmm. and then just one day somebody just says something and you just lose it and you'll think that what you're upset about is that thing when it's actually so so much more because when you don't feel your feelings you can't you can't process them I used to think that I wasn't allowed to be sad about things outwardly as I was just dying of depression and terrible thoughts but I wasn't going to tell anybody because I didn't want to be a downer I didn't want anyone to tell me, just get over it. Like, well, you have no idea what's going on. I can't just get over it. And so not feeling safe to share those things, I think is really, really huge. And I think I like to believe that we're getting into a place where we can have more of Mm -hmm. those conversations. At least like my generation is more like, let's talk about our feelings because they're natural and it's not as taboo to talk about mental health problems it's not hard to talk about your struggles as much as your 
successes. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to kind of this manifesting, creating your dream life, it can't always be rainbows and butterflies and woo woo magic. Like there's going to be some tough shit you go through, but that does not negate that you are still manifesting your dream life because we all go through stuff. It's all in how you handle it. There's always going to be that unexpected oh shit moment. It's, it is going to happen. You can be having the best life ever. Life that you worked hard for, you're still going to have bad days. It's just, it's point blank. You're still going to have bad days. Oh yeah. Yep. So when you were getting into the coaching and business space, what do you think was one of the most painful, hard lessons that you learned (laughs) talking Uh, about that struggle life? Yeah, that's that's a big, big gulp of a question. Um, I think this is something I have been working through with my coach recently. Um, Just getting my, getting my thoughts together. Um, My biggest struggle, honestly, was coming to terms with the fact that this is not going to go perfectly. (laughs) Again, I have, I'm working through perfectionist um, limiting beliefs. Um, And I mean, if you had asked me like a year ago, two years ago, like, how do you feel about failing? How do you feel about something going wrong? I would have been started, like, started bawling and like, what do you mean? I'm going to fail. What am I going to do? How can I prevent it? And because that, that was, that was one thing I would never let myself do growing up is like, I couldn't fail. I have to do, I have to be really good. Everybody has to like me. I have to do it right. But that psh, totally unrealistic, totally not real life. And the sooner I came to the, I wish I had come to the realization sooner, just, just fail faster, do, do, do it quicker. Just you waiting right now and holding yourself back because you're afraid of how it might go wrong is just like postponing it possibly going wrong. And then you feeling ashamed and fearful and sad and backing away from the dream when, you know, I needed to put on my, my big girl panties and say, Hey, I'm going to fail today and I'm going to love it and do a great job at failing. And I'm going to learn and I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And I'm going to do it better. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail better next time is what I, what I, what I learned. I needed to come to come to terms with. (laughs) Being a recovering perfectionist is no joke, especially (laughs) if you came from a really academic, goal-focused, get those straight A's, be well-liked, well-respected in your field, and then having to go outside of that to do something that is 99% failing and (laughs) 1%, oh, it worked. Yes. Because you're just working for that that one percent, because that one percent is going to change the game, and you have to find all of the things that that do not work, and you find them as fast as possible. You just mm-hmm. try everything that you can think of, and you'll be like, "That didn't work. That didn't work. Oh, that kind of worked. Okay, let's do this." And that's that's really part of any business, part of just life. And it's a part of life that I think as adults, we are not encouraged to do. Mm. We are encouraged to reach one, one goal, one career thing and stay there. We, we work, we spent all of our formative years planning to get a job, to get a job, to support your American dream based reality and failure is unacceptable even though when you look around to any business that exists in any capacity small or big they they are riddled with failures you might not see them Mm. but they are and just nobody talks about it which is dumb which is so dumb why are we not talking about like all of the things that didn't work Mm -hmm. we always think of the guy that made electricity he found a lot of things that didn't work and then found that. And we always say that, except we don't apply that to 
our life because again, well, he did it. I couldn't do that, but he didn't, but I couldn't do that. Yeah. And it's all outlined by our, again, air quotes, our quote unquote, what is success and what is failure? And I think that that was another part of my awakening and choosing to, to go into business for myself was, okay, well, do I want to be liked by everybody else and be respected and and do this, that, and the other, but do I, do I even like myself? Am I respecting myself? Like who there's, there's the outward image and the outward validation. But then at some point, it's like at the end of the day, it's just you and your bed with your thoughts. Like, do you, are you happy? Are do you trust yourself? Are you, that's, those are the ruminating questions that, that kept me up in the middle of the night. So if you could go back and hang out with yourself on your 18th birthday, when you became a fully fledged, obviously an adult, living a fully adult life, what would you tell her? Oh, I have actually written letters to my 18 year old self and it starts and ends with, I forgive you. There's so much, obviously we're talking about our own levels of autonomy now and the responsibility we have for our own lives, but especially being a child in this world, you, you don't have that same autonomy. You are here to evolutionarily just survive. I want, I want to live to adulthood to survive, to, to, to continue. And no matter what had happened to me in my childhood and what I still am unpacking, I forgive myself for any choice that made me feel less than anything that I felt like I had to do in order to survive, I forgave myself for. Sometimes they pop up and I I need to re-forgive myself and it's at a a deeper level, a, a new a, a new, um, new layer that gets uncovered, but it just boils down to forgiveness. That's so important. It's forgiving ourselves is the, I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves. And we're so hesitant to ever do it because we always think of forgiveness as someone else forgiving us, but it doesn't matter if somebody else forgives us for anything at all. Like it's nice and cool and sometimes well appreciated, but if we, can't forgive ourselves it it's just you're gonna stay with it for ever and I still spend a lot of time in forgiveness I forgive myself there things from yesterday that mm-hmm. were not so great and because we are all just humans living this impractical existence doing the best that we can at any mm-hmm. given moment with the information that we have available and it's very important to give ourselves that kind of grace and forgiveness because we're never, we're never going to be perfect. It's not a real thing. And I'm thankful yeah. that it's not an actual real thing because that would be boring and <laughs> that would be boring entirely. Yeah. So we are recording this at the beginning of May. What are you most looking forward to coming for the rest of 2021 in life and business? Anything fun for you? I, well, first of all, I'm very excited. My mom's going to come visit me in September. We haven't seen each other in like two, almost two years now. Um, we're both vaccinated at this point. So we'll, we'll be doing it say, oh, she's also just driving across the country. Um, so I'm very excited for that. But on top of all of it, I am very, very excited. I'm opening my first uh, round of intensive 18-week one-on-one coaching Um so I'm, I'm opening four spots for four gorgeous souls, gorgeous women who are ready to trust themselves again. They are on the edge of their seats and they know that something, something is out there. Something more is for them and they need to trust it. Um, so I'm, I'm just so excited to meet these four beautiful women who are going to enter my life and um, who are going to allow me um, this, uh, I mean, I'm just so honored when, when any woman gets, shares their vulnerability with me and their time with me. Um, so I just can't wait to show them what's on the other side of self-doubt. 
That's so exciting. I will have the links for everyone to be able to find you, links to that, because getting a coach is, if you've been on the fence about it in any way, just jump over to the other side of the fence. It it changes the game. It changes the game so entirely. And you can do so much work by yourself. You can read so many books. You can watch so many YouTube videos. But when you actually get to have one-on-one time with someone, they're going to be able to see your blind spots. They're going to be able to give you new insights and just the quantum leaps that you can literally make even after the first session with someone is unreal. And I could say that from so much experience because I was winging it for so long because I thought I could do it all by myself. And uh, then my lack of accomplishments and success and all of the spinning of my wheels that I was doing proved me wrong. So then when you make that investment in yourself, you will not go wrong. Investing in yourself will never, will never go poorly. You either have an incredible experience or, you know, you'll learn a bunch of things that didn't work for you and you still learned a lot of things from that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you just take what you need and that is important. So I encourage anyone who's listening to this to slide into that container. Sounds like it'll be an absolutely wonderful time, especially given just your background and how you approach things. And I'm just super excited for how that's all going to go for you. And I'm so thankful that you took the time to hang out with all of us here today. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. It's, I mean, everyone I talk to, there's, there's some type of um, reflection of what I do in, in what they do. Anybody who helps support other people, there is that nugget of intuition at the bottom of it all. And we're all... We're all riding that uh, collective energy together. So love, love that you're out here sharing, sharing everyone else's wisdom.